If you enjoy listening to Voices in Cloud, check out David Linthicum's reports on gigaohm.com. They're about data complexity and cloud solutions, addressing many of the topics covered in this podcast series. Hey guys, welcome to the GigaOM Voices in Cloud podcast. This is the one place where you will hear from industry thought leaders providing no-nonsense advice on how to succeed with cloud computing, IoT, edge computing, and cognitive computing. I'm Dave Linthicum, best-selling author, speaker, and V-less geek. And joining me today is my very good friend and a person who's been in lots of my podcasts and lots of shows, Ed Featherston. Uh, he's a technical evangelist, distinguished technologist at Cloud Technology Partners, a Hewlett-Packard enterprise company, experienced senior-level enterprise systems application architect with experience in systems integration, internet, intranet, client server, middleware, and cloud technologies. He's a distinguished technologist at Cloud Technology Partners. He provides technology leadership on design, construction, and implementation of projects for a variety of industries, including financial services, governance, pharmacy, and retail. So catch us up. We were uh, on another show a couple of months ago. What you've been doing since then, Ed? Oh, uh, uh, continuing on in a lot of work in the cloud space, a lot of conversations and discussions with various folks around one of my favorite topics, blockchain technology, Um, in the midst of doing some uh, cloud delivery right now at a client uh, in the AWS environment and just still enjoying the technology world. Yeah, it's a fun world because if you don't like it, it'll change next week. Uh, yeah, or, or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. So anyway, um, we we're looking. I was looking for topics to uh, talk with you, and I saw you authored an article called "Will Supply Chain Be the Breakout Blockchain Use Case for uh, 2018?" This is something I've written and spoke about as well, and I'd love to get your perspective on this. And and uh, we'll uh, go ahead and leave you a link to the um, to this article in the show notes. I think it was on cloud cloudtv.com. So summarized what you're what you're asserting here and what we're going to be seeing yeah. in the next few years. Yeah, well, well, uh, the way I was cu- coming at it from the, uh, 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 when I talk blockchain with a lot of people, a lot of times they ha- they have difficulty understanding, you know, fr- from a use case perspective, from a business perspective, how does blockchain fit fit in? And uh, what what I try to describe to them is, is is three different areas. I say that 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 kind of open it up for you. The first one I, I, I call a uh, um, chain of custody, the classic police procedural everybody's familiar with that, you know, you need to know when something passes from one entity to another, you need to know that that, that passage happened. It, it's an important piece of, of your business. The parallel to that is chain of events, which is similar to custody, but it's actual events that occur, whether an inspection occurred or whether somebody did something at a particular time. And the, fi- the final piece that I say brings it all together is that there are multiple stakeholders involved. It's not just within a single company. It's lots of different companies that are involved in these. When you bring all three of those together, it starts creating a potentially good use case for blockchain. Now, if you think about supply chain, supply chain is all of that. Supply chain, the biggest challenges in supply chain is keeping track of the chain of custody of an item from the moment it's manufactured or generated until the time it finally lands in a consumer's hand somewhere. Chain of events, if the things are, especially if the things are crossing country borders or state borders, and there's all types of legal inspections and other items that have to occur, and you need to know that they occurred and when they occurred. And in a supply chain, 
there's always multiple, multiple people involved that need to know as things transition through the chain and how to deal with all of that. And in today's world in supply chain, a lot of that is done, it's quite sadly, a lot of it is still done on very manual processes, lots of paperwork, lots of duplicate entries into duplicate systems. And so a lot of different industries are taking serious looks at blockchain to help solve some of those challenges. So what does it bring to the table? I mean, um, I think I understand. I think the listeners probably need an update on this. In other words, what am I doing with blockchain that I couldn't do with standard supply chain integration right. software just a few years ago? Right. Well, well, the, the, the key differences with blockchain, blockchain at, at its simplest level is referred to as a distributed ledger. If everybody thinks of a classic business ledger or a classic spreadsheet, um, conceptually under the covers, that's what blockchain is functionally performing. What it's providing that's different from standard types of systems that are out there is the first, one of the first pieces is that, that it's an immutable um, system in that once records get entered and in the sequence that they're entered, they cannot be modified. Now we can build that into systems today. We could build that into database systems, but you would still have the ability to override that at the database level if you so chose. In a blockchain, it's part and parcel of the entire ecosystem. There is no way of modifying the transactions once they're in there. So that this provides some great level of trust and security to all the participants in it that they do have full visibility into the system and what it's providing. The other side piece of it is that, that there is no master node in a blockchain ecosystem. It's a peer-to-peer -peer technology. So that everybody is getting a copy of the transactions in their systems. There is no master gold copy that everybody goes to. It's a fully distributed peer-to-peer -peer system, which gives both the visibility that are people looking for, plus it gives a higher level of resilience since everybody is getting copies, exact copies of all of the transactions. You, you have higher access and availability into the information that you're looking for. So why can't I change information that's in a blockchain ledger? The, the, the way the, the, the ecosystem is built, the, it uses encryption technologies that, that basically chain each transaction together. And if you attempt to remove a block, it, it, hence the term in blockchain, um, the, the encryptions will fail and it will demonstrate that that, that block no longer belongs. And because it's the peer-to-peer -peer system, the other participants in it will see that there is, a, there is a disagreement from that system where you try to make the change and they will throw it out of the blockchain effectively so that that, that bad transaction cannot be replicated to the other systems. It's almost like the origin of this was uh, via some cryptocurrency thing. Is that kind yeah. of that? Yeah, it, it, I mean, bl blockchain uh, uh, originated it, uh, as the underpinnings for Bitcoin and all of the cryptocurrencies that followed on, on suit. Um, it was the technology underneath the covers that lets Bitcoin do what it does and lets the cryptocurrencies do what they do as far as the trading and the visibility and the, the immutability of the transactions. Um, it's just... I, I find 
I find cryptocurrencies less interesting to me. I find the underlying blockchain technology far more interesting in the other business case scenarios that are not financially, not dealing with financials, but dealing with entities, with assets, with, with physical things and tracking them. Right. So how much is this going to cost us to uh, convert our existing <laughs> that are not leveraging blockchain to blockchain? And we're, we're, what can technology we need? How do we create the architectures? What security paths do we have to need? It seems to me there's dozens of things to consider if we're moving toward this technology. Uh, and, and, and there are. And, and part of what I, what I try to get across to people, sadly, when we talk blockchain and we say think distributed ledger, people start thinking oversimplification. And blockchain is an entire ecosystem that, that does all of the encryption, that does the consensus and agreement between the peer-to-peer -peer systems that a transaction is a valid transaction that does all of the transfers in the peer-to-peer. -peer. There, there's a very complex ecosystem sitting under the covers on it. Um, there are a variety of blockchain vendors out there. One of the areas I think is, is ripe from blockchain is the concept of blockchain as a service in the cloud. Um, because that, and all of the major cloud vendors are now starting to provide that offering there. That way, they're dealing with the underlying complexity of getting the ecosystem in place for you, and then you can build on top of that ecosystem without worrying about it. The, the other benefit I see with the blockchain as a service offerings is the fact that because it's peer-to-peer, -peer, everybody that's participating needs to have at, at least a node in the blockchain ecosystem. And if everybody has to start installing the hardware and the software in their environments and then integrating with each of the other players and stakeholders in their blockchains in their environments the level of complexity for them to set that up even to just try it out becomes very daunting whereas with a blockchain as a service you could go to whether it be azure or aws or ibm and you can go in there and try it out do a pilot without making that significant investment, get your other participants in there playing with it as well. And then you're all set if you decide that, yes, this is something I want to move forward with in a production mode. The cloud to me is just the ideal environment for doing something like this. So, but there's a cost in terms of me uh, adjusting my internal infrastructure uh, to leverage blockchain. Uh, is there not? And, and, and at, 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 absolutely, because, because at, some, at, at some point you're you're going to want to do other things with the data out of that blockchain, or you have information you have to provide to that blockchain. So you still have integration points in there. You still have investments in in development and skill set costs for people to be able to understand the underlying system that is being built to make sure that it's doing what you want it to do. It, it is a fundamental change conceptually from a lot of other application development concepts because of the peer-to-peer -peer nature of it and the immutability of it. And that, that creates some cultural challenges I've seen in some of the clients I've talked to that are, that are looking at it and evaluating it because they, they, they're used to the classic, okay, I've got a database, I've got a gold copy and I replicate out to my slave databases. And, and the concept of having full peer-to-peer systems is not something that has been, I'd say, in the norm for most enterprise environments. 
Um, and the, the other thing that gets, has to get taken into account on this from a cost perspective is because you're replicating it to all of these other dis different systems and because the different consensus algorithms that are used to validate transactions and everything tend to be very CPU intensive, blockchain is a resource consumer on a very large scale. It's going to require lots of storage. It's going to require lots of network bandwidth. It's going to require lots of CPU utilization in order to have a valid block, uh, a, a usable blockchain implementation. And it's one of the other areas I think a lot of people don't think about when they're first looking at blockchain that, yeah, it, it's providing you lots of value, but there are costs involved and you need to take those costs into account to figure out if it's worth the effort. So how do we sell this to a board of directors? In other words, we have a cost, internal costs that have to be changed. We, you just mentioned we have additional resources to leverage. Obviously, it's cheaper to leverage a, yeah, cheaper to leverage a remote blockchain, say a managed service provider, remote ledger system on the cloud-based systems, but there's significant investment. Um, so what, what's the ROI? What do we tell the business? Um, it, it's got to come back to what, what, what your original business case is and what the challenges are there and what the costs are associated with those challenges. Because like I said, the examples I gave are, this could fit for blockchain, but you've got to sit down and figure out is, if I do use blockchain and take into account the costs on it versus the costs of the way I do it today, or the cost of me trying to build something from scratch that, because as you and I both know, I mean, you, you, you can build any solution completely from scratch to do what, what you need it to do, but there, there, there's trade-offs in doing all of that. But it, it, to me, it, it always has to start from the business side of figuring out what is the challenge and what is the cost, both in my current implementation and in losses because I'm not able to do what I need to do. And in the case of the supply chain, of what what's what's the cost to my 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 business because I'm not able to track my particular items in the supply chain from the minute they are created to the minute they show up on a consumer's table. Um, one of the great great examples of I've seen used I, IBM and Walmart are working on a on a big uh, blockchain implementation for tracking produce, for tracking food from the, the, the minute it's picked to when it makes it to the stores. And it's important to the businesses like Walmart and everything for the times when there are um, outbreaks of like E. coli on the food and being able to track back where, where did that, that contaminated produce come from. And right now it, it can take them weeks and weeks without a, a good supply chain system to be able to track that back, which puts more and more people at risk until they can solve it. Their goal for doing it with this is that they, they would be able to immediately trace back where that particular product came from and know where the original source of the, of the contamination was. So it, it's, it's a matter of figuring out what that business case is, what the cost is, because we're not getting what we need out of it today. And so does, does that make it worth the investment to go into blockchain? Because it doesn't always necessarily. I mean, you and I, you and I both know that, you know, just because a technology can solve a problem doesn't mean it's the right piece to solve a problem. 
So when I was researching blockchain uh, a couple of weeks ago for an article, a lot of uh, the reporters were talking about kind of a, a downturn, kind of an interest in blockchain that occurred a couple of years ago. Have we recovered from that, or is it was there actually? Well, well I, I, I mean, I think the 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 last time I I, I looked on on the the classic Gartner hype cycle is block blockchain is is diving down into the trough of disillusionment, which which, which in in some senses I'm kind of happy for because the hype the hype was making it hard to have serious conversations with people because they they were th everybody was saying blockchain was going to solve world hunger. And, and it's like I'm happy to get past the hype part, and down because as we go to the trough of disillusionment, then the people that are really committed to it are going to do some actually valuable implementations that will help come out of that into the the, the realm of actual implementations, and we get past all of the hype and the buzz. But yeah, I I mean, that there's been a lot of pullback. Um, but the other thing I'm finding, which has been quite interesting, is I've talked with a lot of different clients that are looking at it, but they don't want to talk about talk about the fact that they're looking at it publicly. When I talk to some of the different vendors, that that there there are fairly significantly sized companies that are looking at it that aren't publicly talking about the fact they're looking at it, and I think part of it is because they don't want to be looked at as chasing after something that isn't going to provide them value. Yeah, or, I mean, are, you know, just putting, you know, their eggs in kind of a, uh, uh, what they consider kind of a uh, new and shiny basket. And right. so, you know, technology is starting to merge forward. And also, I think many companies, as I'm, you know, talking to them about blockchain and other technologies, consider it a uh, uh, strategic uh, technology. Therefore, they don't want anybody to know what they're doing. Right, so, exactly. EAs, including the... Blockchain providers, in essence, are building this big, uh, you know, Frankenstein monster of a blockchain supply chain in the background, and they're looking to, um, you know, take it out and uh, at one particular time when they can kind of spring it on their competitors. In other words, disrupt uh, the disruptors. And right. so the companies out there are being disrupted by companies that are kind of bored in the cloud, born in blockchain. You know, everything's kind of new and shiny. They're able to take advantage of new technologies, and they have to uh, uh, have a um, you know, they, they have to have some secret sauce that's able to, you know, get them in the business. And many are looking for blockchain to be that. Do you think they're going to be successful? I, I think they will. I, I, I mean, I, I've seen other technologies that I had good faith in that, that, that didn't quite make it. This is one that I, I think I, I see the benefit, I see the value, and have high hopes that I think it's going to come out the other end as being a, a game changer for a lot of people. Um, and the fact that, that I'm seeing such a big investment by so, so, so many on it right now, um, bodes well that, that hopefully I'm right, but t t time will eventually tell. I mean, when you, when you get folks like IBM and Walmart and, and Maersk, the big shipping lane and Burr's Diamond and major pharmaceuticals all looking at building blockchain solutions to help them deal with some of their supply chain problems. I mean, these aren't small people and they're not spending small money. So they're hoping it comes out the other end also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, um, that ultimately we're moving in this direction. I think using it kind of as, uh, 
not necessarily strategic technology, but something that can really kind of solve a lot of tactical problems out there. And the, the big strength of blockchain is it's not a proprietary, you know, piece of technology. It's a, it's a standard out there that was developed by many people and also developed, I think, for other purposes, which is kind of the way kind of good technology shows up. We see something that is leveraged for something else, in this case, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and we're able to kind of uh, move it into other things where we're missing, you know, some of the core pieces to you know, do secure transactions in between companies in a secure peer-to-peer -peer way. Yeah. So, so we, um, so where are we going to be in five years? Is everything going to be on blockchain? We're going to do block. I heard about blockchain mobile voting. I actually had a reporter call me about that. <laughs> um, and, I, um, and, and, I, and I've seen some experiments done in, in the voting space on, on blockchain and some of the others. And that, that goes into the, the, the high hype side of blockchain, that blockchain is going to solve every technology problem that we have, which it isn't. Blockchain is going to solve some challenges. Blockchain isn't going to solve others. I mean, in the voting space, my God, with all of the issues we've had with voting, I can't picture people willing to trust electronic voting in any way, shape, or form in, in, in any, any time in the near future just because it, it's a black box that I don't think the average user would be willing to accept as well. Well, you're, you're saying that we need to trust, we can trust blockchain, at least the first couple of paragraphs of your artic article. Right. You know, to help us with our, with our food supply. And it seems yep. like it works there. Uh, and it has some rudimentary kind of dependability that's kind of built into the fact that we're doing synchronized trust, you know, at the end right. of the day, and centralized trust, synchronized trust between, you know, different peers. It seems to me it's going to have multiple or we're probably going to have more uh, success in doing that you know, then trying to build this stuff in different, different ways. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it, I, I think it will, I think it, it, it's got the potential for getting there on that. That's just one of the ones that I think from a cultural perspective, from a technology perspective, I think it could do it from a cultural perspective, getting people to accept it will, will be the bigger challenge. And, and I, I see that as part of the challenge even now inside of companies, because it is a fundamentally different way of doing transactions in an electronic system that a lot of people are, are, are still like, I'm, I'm not feeling warm and fuzzy about it because it's not what I'm used to. But it, that's changing and I think eventually over the next five years, it'll probably change more for other, tech, uh, other use case scenarios where people would be even more hesitant to, to adopt it. Well, other use cases that have been brought to my attention would be um, in data integration. I actually wrote a paper on data integration using blockchain um, that was um, probably a little uh, out ahead of its time, but uh, I'm not sure that was, you know, was a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess a, a solution looking for a problem. Mm -hmm. We're trying to apply in different areas, but it does have some valid, um, you know, data integration sync points. I wouldn't put every piece of data integration through it, but right. if for this validated data integration thing. So actually, I guess what you're dealing with supply chain at the root, you know, it's data integration, moving information yes. uh, between various entities. And so why not use it for, you know, intra-company data integration patterns and things right. like that. So yeah, in, in that space, I've, I've seen a lot of interest and in work being done in the electronic health record space, looking at blockchain for being able to deal with the fact that, I mean, your health records are chains of events and you're dealing with multiple multiple entities, whether it be doctors, hospitals, insurance companies, and everything. But in theory, ultimately, your health record is your health record. And so people are looking at blockchain, where where you literally have it have you know 
your health record wallet like you have a Bitcoin wallet. And, and you can, you yourself control and say that I, I give Dr. X permission to look at my health records in the blockchain and that's all taken care of. And again, because today it goes across so many disparate systems, try, trying to get your health records shared amongst doctors can be a challenge at best. <laughs> yeah, I think it would benefit everybody to do that. I think, yeah, uh, healthcare records, your ability to even you know, deal with uh, treatments versus outcomes, your ability to have, you know, things that are uh, innately going to be private, you know, via this technology. I mean, there's lots of little applications, but I think the danger is that we're going to over apply it and therefore really kind of not understand where its core value or core use yep. case you can be successful with. So I think it's going to, it, it is going to be supply chain and it is going to be, you know, kind of as a subordinate to that data integration, but intra-company on an intra-company. And I think that's where it's going to have its value. So do you think we'll be talking about blockchain in the next five years? I think so, yeah. I, 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 I think it's here to stay. I think it's going to have an impact. Um, it, it's taken a while for it to take off, but then any disruptive technology tends to do that. Um, so, so we've gone through the cycles before. I mean, it, it literally took a while before cloud actually took off. I mean, cloud had been building for quite a bit before it actually took off. And now nobody thinks twice about the fact that, you know, I'm going to be thinking about cloud first when I go and do things. I, I think blockchain eventually, not as pervasive as cloud, but I think it's going to be one of those technologies of that it's just going to be, yeah, this is a tool in my toolbox and it's going to help me solve problems and going to help me get business done in new and different ways. Couldn't agree more than that. So where can we find more information about blockchain? What do you typically learn? Um, it, there's lots of different places I, I, I go out to for information on that. Um, you've got, a, a, I, mean, I always recommend to people when they ask for stuff to read, I always recommend that they read the, the book by the Tab Scots. They are, you know, the, the blockchain high priests, the Tab Scott brothers. Um, and while there's the stuff they write tends to be really high on the hype side, the reality is, is that if you're talking to anybody about blockchain, you need to understand what tabs, the tab squats are telling people so that, that uh, because it's going to be expected uh, of it. Um, go, the, the Hyperledger project, which is one of the blockchain implementations that's in the open source space, is, is a great wealth of information around that. Um, Ethereum, Hyperledger and Ethereum are probably the two biggies out there that, that I point people to to look at just to get a general understanding of how they're implemented because they, they, they are both blockchain implementations, but how they implement them, how they do consensus is different and understanding that is important. Um, it's the classic, when, when you're building technology systems, understanding the trade-offs and the implementations provide different types of trade-offs and you need to understand which ones fit for your type of business on it. Um, and another thing I've, I've pointed pe people to, I don't know if, if you've seen them at all, is the R3 consortium. Yes. Um, they, they, they have done a, what I consider a very fascinating implementation. They don't call it blockchain anymore because they break some of the, quote, blockchain rules in the way they do things. But, but they, they do some very, it's still a peer-to-peer, -peer and they do some very interesting things around the consensus and dealing with the volumes of data transfer through. 
Um, I'm not sure if they're making it out the other end. I know they're struggling a little financially at the moment, but uh, they, they, they have some fascinating technology that, that I point people to to just get a better feel for. Yeah, there are lots of different ways to skin this cat. Yeah, absolutely. It's great advice, Ed. So anyway, please pick up a copy of my book, uh, Cloud Computing and Soil Convergence, available on Amazon and other places books are sold. Also make sure to follow me on Twitter at, at David Linticum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, as well as LinkedIn, where I have several cloud computing courses on LinkedIn Learning. Also, Ed, do you have anything? Where do we go to find out more about you? I picked up this off your LinkedIn page. So we go, should you send the listeners there to yep. check out stuff? Yep. Go to my LinkedIn page. They can follow me on Twitter at E Featherston, E-F-E-A-T-H-E-R-S-T-O-N. Um, fairly active both in Twitter and in the LinkedIn space. Um, I'm usually publishing stuff up on, on uh, our cloud, cloud TP Doppler site. Uh, they can find articles by me there. I've got a fair number of articles on blockchain because I love pontificating about blockchain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, anyway, follow Ed. I mean, he's a, he's a great podcast guest, but also a great thought leader in the space. He's always looking at where the emerging stuff is going. So he's one of the key indicators. You want to see if something's worth investing in. Uh, check to make sure Ed has a, uh, has a beat on. And if he does, it's typically something that's going to make a move. So next time, best of luck in building a cloud computing solutions. We'll talk to you about a week. Take good care. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Cloud, please check out the other ones. Removing hybrid and multi-cloud complexity is the focus of a report that David wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about taking IT to the next level, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.